Ecclesiastes kind of takes us all around the place, doesn't it? Up and down and round about. And then this morning we hear about the suppression. And uh, it's kind of a, a bit rough in places. It's about ripping each other off. It's about unjust gain, getting stuff we don't deserve. And, you know, that's the world we live in, isn't it? We live in this competitive, strange world wanting to impress people, vanity, impress friends and neighbours, to be the envy of people around about us, the pride of life. And there was this quote from a few years back. It said, buying things that we don't need, that we can't afford, to impress people we don't even like. And we're encouraged to leave behind the oppression, the attractions of the world. It can get you a little bit down at times, can't it, when you read through this? But let me take you back to last week, which we finished in 12.13, Ecclesiastes 3. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy, to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. It's about grabbing the gift that God has given to each one of us. While we see in Ecclesiastes meaningless, chasing after the wind, we still have an opportunity to sit back, relax, be happy, enjoy life, eat and drink, find satisfaction, have some fun in life. We live in a kind of mixed up, rigid world. And when we come into the church, we come into the glory of God, we need to be able to have fun, to be excited. Our God is so good. Our God is so great. There is a plan, and the plan is for good. God's gift is good. And the, and the greater gift for every one of us we've seen is that we, we are bound. We have heaven bound into our heart. Yes, excitement builds, I know, sort of, somewhere. And then we talk, in, in verse 6, it talks about the peace and the contentment of the world. But we're not driven that way, are we? The world does not lead us to peace and contentment. It leads us to competition, to striving, trying to gain under the sun. And we get into this treadmill. And sometimes we need to be able to hop off it. And look at the society and the world around us. And the real question today is how do we place a Christian faith in the center, in the center of who we are, in the center of our daily living? What are our fundamentals? And it's that very simple command, the only rule, the only law, the only command in the New Testament Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength. Dallas Willard, a very popular Christian writer, American, who passed away maybe a year or so ago, he wrote a book, a um, famous book, Spiritual Disciplines, Disciplines. But he was asked what, what this verse meant, how to understand it, what it meant to him. And he said, anything that takes you away from your first thoughts of God and therefore is preventing you from loving God anything that detracts you from putting God first in your life. 
That's the way to, to understand. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind. Don't let anything distract you. Think about that. How do we live? What shape is our life? How do I love the Lord? Very simple. How do I have a simple faith? A faith that gives me hope. A faith that gives me desire. It's not legalism. It's not rules. It's not laws. It's a simple understanding of yay, God. It's the ability to get up each morning and go, yay, God, and enjoy life in this crazy world. Verse 15 tells us, what is crooked cannot be straightened. You know, what is crooked? And, and we should be, today, we should be totally aware that people, that governments, that humanism cannot fix the problems and the hassles in our world today. They've all tried everything. People have done everything. People cannot fix this world. I'm sorry if you thought they could. When I was deployed to Afghanistan with the army, and we saw this happen there. We, we would get aid into the base. Uh, food, warm blankets and clothing. It was the middle of winter. People over there have absolutely nothing. And we weren't really there to give out aid, but it arrived, so we had to give it out. And we would, we would go to a village who was really hard, at rough life, starving. Earthquakes have been through there. And they practically had nothing. We had this bunch of aid. But we could not just turn up and give it to people. We had to give it to the shearer, who was like the mayor of the village. And then the mayor, he would give it to his family and relations. Then he'd sell it to the other villagers, what was left. It was awful, but that's the way it was. That was this, they rip, any society rips off each other. We couldn't do anything. We just had to give it, and he would decide what he would do with it. The other thing we saw is a lot of aid money come in. A lot of American aid money would pour in. And there's one story of the local mayor in town. He was given 80,000 American dollars to pave the main street. The main street was never paved. Where did the money go? People rip each other off. People would, the contractors would be paid money to drill wells for water. They would drill a well. They would get the water. But no one would test the water. The water was undrinkable. But they got the money and they took off. And then we'd have the UN fly in. The UN would fly in their really flash aeroplanes. Then they would drive around in their really flash Toyotas and they would go to a village and they would meet. And I went to one of these villages and I saw what, was, what they did. They would meet with the, 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 the people in charge of the village and they would draw up diagrams and of all the surrounding area and what they could do and they'd plaster them all around the room. And these people were so excited and they wanted to show me all their drawings. And the UN would come every couple of weeks and put another drawing up. Nothing ever happened. All they had was drawings. Look, I'm sure the UN do a lot of good work. But in this case, there wasn't much happening. What is crooked cannot be straightened. That's the world that we live in. 
And the Ecclesiastes tells us that whether you live in a, a first world economy or a third world economy, people have this incredibly corrupt mindset. I'm sorry to say that. Whereas when we come to faith, when we glorify God, when we come to Jesus, we are called to be the salt and the light in the world. On this corner, on the street corner, this church is salt and life. Yes! Did you know that? You guys are salt and light. You are bringing hope, incredible life, incredible hope to this place. You have the spirit of the living God in you. What does that mean? That means life. That means hope. That means glory. That means excitement. Doesn't it? Yes, we can find some. You know, it's better than the All Blacks. Perhaps we can argue about that. But, you know, this is a simplistic living. But then slowly, the world creeps in, doesn't it? We're all, we're all part of this world, man. And I've often said, stuff is good. I like stuff. We've got to have stuff. We can't get away from it. But one of the really first verses that influenced me most when I came into the, the church world was Hebrews. Keep yourselves free from the love of money. Be content what you have with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And then Paul writes to Timothy. He tells him to keep away from any strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions and constant friction between people of corrupt mind. But he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment. You know, we are, you're truly content you're truly content when you're ready and willing to promote somebody else. You're really content when you want the good for somebody else. It's not all about you. Sure it is. The circumstances we live in and how we live decides how we can be content. And sure, that, that's correct. But I was thinking this week, true contentment is when we want to champion somebody else when we want to favor somebody else, when we want to push someone else forward, when we want to put them up, we want to say, yeah, we want to celebrate with them. When you have the ability and the willingness, even I guess it's a case of the humility to, to favor someone else, to champion someone else and say, yay, go with it. Sure. Your contentment is who you are. It's your, your surroundings, who and what you have. But I think there's a sign of being content when you're willing to promote other people and encourage them and say, yay, go for it. And this is who we are. This is who the church is. This is what salt and light is in the world today. It is community. It is friendship. It's relationship. It's, it's a group of people Doing life together, not being swamped into this world and tricked into what's around about us. And how can we develop this? How can we develop community? You know, loneliness now, loneliness is the big thing. Loneliness is, is the deal. 
In England, in, the, in Parliament, they have a minister of loneliness. All ages, you can be lonely in a family. You can be lonely in this group of people. Loneliness is the thing. How does the church, how do we deal with that? Just as one loneliness. You know, we have this church on the corner here. Let's open it for seven days a week. Okay? Let's volunteer. Let's everybody give two hours a week to help. Let's open the doors. Let's be community on this corner. Remember years ago, if you're older, you will, we used to have night classes, didn't we? You could go to the community school and you could learn something, little bits and pieces and trades and stuff. All that's gone now. Why don't we teach people something here? All the schools in here, all the, the stuff that can be taught, can we be community? Can we offer stuff out there? Yes. What can we offer? The skills that we have in this building, the talents, the gifts that God has given us. Can we be community? Can we help one another? Can we be content and give away, champion someone else, build community where every person is considered important, where people can just flock in here. Monday, Tuesday, any morning of the week, they come in and they have a coffee, a barista coffee. Yeah, now we're talking. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. quick, let's wake up. Oh, coffee. Oh. You know, it's not about telling everyone else how they should live or what they should do. Three chords. Three chords. A chord of three strands is not easily or quickly broken. We can do it together. We can champion each other. We can say, yay, God. We can support each other. A church I, I worked at a few years ago had pretty well bottomed out. Things had been hard and it wasn't, wasn't a healthy-looking place and nothing was happening there. And when I started there... I decided to say yes to everything. Yes. If anyone had an idea, I said yes. Anyone wanted to do anything, I said yes. Yes, do it, do it. I just said yes. Just what's the worst thing that's going to happen? What's the worst thing? No one's going to turn up. You go, oh, well, that didn't work. And, and they had an old church library stuck in the back in a room so someone came along and they revamped the church life. They got another room. They painted the room. They got new books. They threw out the old books. They, got, they tidied it all up. Then they developed a book club. Then they had coffee mornings. Then they had midweek Bible studies. Then they had music lessons for children. Free, coming in off the street. Then they had ukulele lessons. Then they had knitting. They got a knitting group. Everything just just kind of happens. And then those people start going, yay. And people come in and then they start, oh, let's, what's this church about? And then people start becoming a part of the church community. If we give our time, if we give an hour or two here. I remember talking to a bloke from an Auckland church a few years ago, big, big Auckland church. 
And, and he said, you know, people will give their money, but they won't give their time today. Isn't that sad? It's just busyness. That's who we are. People will give money, but they can't give their time because we're too busy. How can we pull that back a bit? How can we be community where the Spirit of God dwells, where the Spirit of God leads? And I say that with some emphasis, the Spirit of God. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have the Spirit of God within you. What is the Spirit saying to you? Every week I'm going to say, what is God's Spirit saying to you? I mentioned the other week, the Moravian church that basically got kicked out of Czechoslovakia and they ended up living in Germany in the 17th, 18th, 16th centuries. They lived in Count Zinzendorf's community land, an amazing Christian man built this community, then it all fell apart and they argued and they berated each other and it all went bad. And then, then in the end, old Zinzendorf, he moved his family. He's a count, very wealthy man. He moved from his manor house to live in the community to restore order and to develop the community again. I just want to read a quote from the book. The community was restored through prayer, forgiveness, and acceptance. They had a call to prayer on the 13th of August, 1777. Now, I don't know who wrote the date down, but someone recorded it. A call to prayer. As Zinzendorf began the prayer of confession, the heavens opened, and the power and glory of God descended. The sense of God's presence went off the scale. And beyond words, beyond Description beyond understanding. The Spirit of God came like a windstorm, mighty, rushing, irresistible. The love and holiness of God touched them like a fire stream, heartwarming life, branding, and dangerous. Come on! Do you want me to read it again? The Spirit of God, through the restoration of community, through forgiveness, through humility, through contentment, counting other people as more important. I guess you could say it's laying down your life for the community. What is our church? This church on the, commun- on the corner. Imagine that scene. Read those words. The Spirit of God came like a windstorm, mighty, rushing, irresistible. The love and holiness of God touched them like a fire stream, heartwarming. Branding, and even a little bit dangerous. Man, what would it be like to be a dangerous church? People don't go, I'm not going to that church, it's too dangerous. The Spirit of God will will talk to you, will do something. The power of God will be released in this church. Let's all jump up and go, yay. Please. Because this is the reality of it, the Spirit of God. When we, when we pray, when we ask for forgiveness, when we look to God moving in our lives, whatever, however, the world is not going to do it for you. You can have all the elections you like. You can change all the governments and parliaments. It's not going to change. They're still going to rip each other off. That's what we do. 
Bribery, corruption. It's sorry to say it. That's who, what, well. But we don't have to live there. We don't have to get stuck there. We can live with the Spirit of God being dangerous in our lives. You young people, start being dangerous, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we can still have older people who are dangerous, can't we? Yeah, well, we can have older people who've got time to bring knitting lessons and ukulele. Imagine offering stuff outside this gate where people just come in and they get free education or free courses on a Saturday morning. doesn't cost any. It's just about community. It's just about being together, being with each other. Belief. The three-stranded cord. It's unbroken. Ecclesiastes tells us there's nothing new under the sun. It is telling us today to get with the program. It is here. It is all for us. We need each other. We can do it together. We can be community. The simplicity of God in our hearts. I think the problem is, and, and we're all part of it, we, we get trapped in the glitz and the glamour of the world, the buying, the selling. It's, it is. That's who we are. We can't, we can't get away from it. And, it, and in, in reality, our faith cannot find a place amongst all that because, you see, Christianity stands alone. It's not an add-on. It's not just a good idea. It's our identity. It's our essence. Our Christianity brings God into our life who, who restores, who replenishes, who contends. God who brings hope. God who brings life. God who brings forgiveness. God who brings hope. We are never hopeless. We have God with us and we have to live amongst this world but not to be sucked into it and attracted by it and trying to live amongst it all the time, but to find the restoration that God gives us. In Psalm 23, it says, He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. We are called to walk closely with the Lord. We are the sheep. He is our shepherd. He leads. He guides he refreshes. He restores. And this only works in right relationship with the Lord. With having a depth of faith that we nurture, that we allow to be fed, that grows and develops. In Isaiah 43 it says, When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you pass through the fires, you will not be burned. We need to have the strong faith belief, the strong assurance in our faith, a deep faith, a confident faith that God is with us. Waters, rivers, fires are not going to wash over us, are not going to harm us. Stuff is going to happen. God will bring restoration. God will bring healing if you allow him to. Ecclesiastes is about fundamentals. It's about a sure foundation. It's also a book of promise. It is a book of hope. 
And we need to read it like that. How do I live my Christian faith? How do I live a contented life, giving, a life-giving, affirming faith? And Ecclesiastes takes us through all these probable life events, but ultimately, the answer is restoration with Jesus. Relationship. Refresh. We need to allow God to restore our soul. Only God knows the depth of our hurt. Only God knows the depth of our pain. Only God knows the depth of our desire. He will restore. He will bring restoration. So this morning, as as we come to a close, we're going to finish with communion. But I just want to encourage you, as you sit there with communion, just read those verses. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you away. When you pass pass through the fires, you will not be burned. Communion is that time where we, we sit still before the Lord, before our Savior, before Jesus. And we... We glance inside into ourselves, into our soul. Lord, forgive my sin. Come, come back to the Lord. Come back and be refreshed this morning. And then in your own time, come up and um, take communion. But allow, allow the Spirit to talk with you this morning. He knows who you are. He knows the depths. And where there's healing, forgiveness needed, allow that to happen too. Be assured that God will meet with you this morning. It's personal. No one else can tell you how or why or what it should be, but God can meet with you. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the depth of our soul the depth of our very being, the depth of our spirit, oh God, cries out to be healed, to be forgiven, Lord. Oh, the depth of who we are, our very essence of life, oh God. Lord, your spirit knows us deep within. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that as we just sit here, as we pray, as we ask, Lord, for your healing to come, or that every one of us will receive from you this morning, oh God. Father, this world that we live in cannot bring healing and forgiveness, cannot bring salvation that is only through Jesus Christ, Lord. And Father, this morning, you offer salvation to every one of us, Lord. You tell us to be still and to know that you are God, You are our restoration. You are our hope, oh God. You are our forgiveness, Lord. I pray this morning, Lord, that we would know your very presence deep within our souls, Lord. And Father, as we eat and we drink this morning, we will give thanks to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, that our sin is forgiven, 
our sinners, we are washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. Father, thank you for the power in those words. At the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow, oh God. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. That we have life and we have hope. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just come now, Spirit of the living God. Oh, bring that healing, bring restoration, Lord. Bring that forgiveness. If we ask, we will receive, oh God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Search our hearts, oh God. Hallelujah. It is well, Lord. It is well with our souls, oh God. Amen.